And then if you want to actually lose 10, 15 pounds of tissue, because you might be able to lose five, 10 pounds in a week, you know, a couple of days, a week, depending on how much body water you have and stuff. But like, typically the quicker you lose, the quicker it comes back. How do you lose five to 15 pounds of body fat, keep it off and retain muscle in the meantime? Welcome to the Best You Podcast, where we teach you the healthy habits you need to look and feel like your best you. My name is Nick Carrier, and I'm an entrepreneur and fitness trainer who has coached over 500 people through my program, The 10-Week Transformation. Today, you guys are going to learn from Nick Shaw. Nick, just a few months ago, shredded down to 5% body fat for a professional bodybuilding competition. But he wasn't always a jacked superhuman. He used to be overweight, then he used to be a very skinny runner, and has for decades now evolved into an absolute beast. Now, today, he's not going to teach you how to be a bodybuilder but he is going to teach you the science of fat loss, about how to go about losing five, 10, or 15 pounds, and how to do it while not losing muscle, and he'll talk you through some of the psychological tips to help you navigate your journey. For now, it's time to get closer to your best you with Nick Shaw. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to have back, after almost three years, uh, the one and only Nick Shaw. Nick, I'm really excited to really dive into the science of fat loss and how to lose body fat and how to retain muscle in the process slash how to build muscle in the process. Um, as I just told you, the people who are listening to this podcast aren't necessarily looking to be the bodybuilding competitors like you, but uh, they're very interested in the science of fat loss. What should I be eating? How much of it should I be eating? How should I be training and everything like that? So I know you did a bodybuilding competition back in July. So we'll talk a little bit. And at the time of this recording, that was, see if I can do the quick math, about three months ago. And so we'll talk a little bit about how you went about kind of doing that and cutting down for competition. So the way that I want to enter into the conversation is generally speaking, if somebody is looking to lose body fat, is it simply about calories in, calories out? Like, or, And if not, what are the other things that people need to be concerned about when it comes to the quantity or the quality of nutrition when they're putting in their body? Well, Nick, thank you so much for asking. And thanks for having me back on. Three years, man. That's wild, huh? I know. Uh, time flies when you're having fun, I guess. So good questions. There are a lot of times things are painted as like a uh, black and white. It's either A or B. And a lot of the times things always kind of fall in the middle and like some of A is correct, some of B is correct. So here's kind of the real deal on fat loss. Calories absolutely matter. And they probably matter the most when you look at all the other variables. And the reason that they matter the most is because like how many calories you're eating versus how many calories you're consuming really kind of dictates where your body weight is going to go. And if you are generally eating more than you're burning, you're going to gain weight. That's good for gaining muscle, of course, but you'll also gain a little bit of body fat. And the inverse applies. If you are, let's say, burning more calories than you're consuming, you're going to lose weight and with that, lose body fat. But here's where it gets a little bit more complicated. It's not the only variable, of course, but it is the most important one. Earlier, I said probably, I'm just being a little nice and generous. It is the biggest one. It's the biggest lever that you have, okay? And it really does serve as a foundation because any diet out there is going to manipulate your calories via whatever strategy they choose. For example, intermittent fasting, 
You just don't eat for a big part of the day. Guess what? You're probably going to eat fewer calories. If you decide to like go keto and cut out carbs, okay, well, you're cutting out almost an entire macronutrient group. You are lowering your calories by default. So we have to start there. It's the most important part. Now, beyond that, especially when you mentioned bodybuilding, we're not going to get super into the, all the details about bodybuilding. I know that's way too boring you know, for the folks listening. Shoot, it bores me sometimes. But you can then manipulate the amount of macronutrients that you eat. And that's probably the second most important part. So like how much protein, how much carbs, and how much fats. Now, depending on how nitty gritty you want to get with all that, we can, but let's just start with those basics. And so beyond that, then you have like meal frequency and nutrient timing. That's sort of the third most important. Now, the good news is if you're just looking to lose weight, once you get past those first two, the rest don't really matter all that much. They're really small details. And then, of course, you've got things like the, the food composition, uh, I think like high GI versus low GI carbs and, and things like that, or you've got uh, supplements. They don't really matter a ton. You wouldn't need to take them if you wanted to lose fat, but they just help a lot with convenience. So that's how we would rank the priorities, especially when it comes to dieting to lose body fat and making sure you don't lose muscle. Because typically along the way, you just don't want to lose muscle when you're dieting. Uh, you don't necessarily have to gain it if you're not looking to do that, but you don't really want to lose it because then losing muscle is usually just a bad trip to nowhere that leads you know anywhere good. Uh, it's probably the best way to describe it. Mm -hmm. So I want you to talk me through, if somebody who is listening to this wants to lose anywhere between 5, 10, maybe 15 pounds, and they're okay with with not trying to lose it in two weeks. They're okay with doing it the right way over a few months. Obviously, depending on if it's five or 15, it's going to vary a little bit, but they're okay with losing it over a general period of time, but they don't want to count their macros. What are the, what's the way that you go about coaching somebody who doesn't necessarily want to count their macros to reliably and predictably lose body fat? Yeah, that's a great question. And thank you so much for saying like it takes a certain amount of time because I do think that's probably the biggest contributing factor to like fitness results in general is knowing your time horizon. And then if you want to actually lose 10, 15 pounds of tissue, because you might be able to lose five, 10 pounds in a week, you know, a couple of days, a week, depending on how much body water you have and stuff. But like typically the quicker you lose, the quicker it comes back. So if you extend your time rise a little bit, you can go about it a little bit slower. You're actually going to lose tissue and it is going to take some time if you theoretically wanted to gain that tissue back. It just doesn't come back overnight. So really important things. Thank you so much for touching on that. The cheat sheet way to lose body fat without having to count macros or even calories is you do the following. You start with eating lean protein at every single meal three, four meals a day, something like that. The number of meals doesn't really matter a whole lot. That's good news for people. You don't have to get bogged down in the details. Would you prefer to eat two meals a day? No big deal. They're just going to be bigger meals. Prefer to eat four meals a day? Doesn't really matter. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, like a snack somewhere in there, pretty typical for most people. You don't have to, that means you don't have to fast and not eat. It means you don't have to eat eight times a day. You don't have to get super crazy with it. Anywhere in the middle is going to be mostly fine. Start your meals lean protein, then probably your veggies. Darker green veggies are phenomenal. You know, broccoli, spinach, asparagus, uh, you, know, you name it. There's tons of other ones. There's just first three that popped ahead, up to the top of my, my, my head there. 
um, you do that, you throw in maybe some healthy fats, just a little bit here and there. Healthy fats typically are, you know, nuts, avocados, olive oil. So those are all great sources. And then you can throw in some like fruits, right? Because those are carbs. And if you eat mostly just high nutritious foods like that, it is very hard to overeat on calories. So you're sort of taking that out of the equation by just focusing on higher quality foods. Like imagine eating an entire plate of grilled chicken breasts and some white rice and some broccoli, you know, something like that. Man, you can fill up an entire plate and get lots of food volume and it's very filling. You're not going to be hungry for, you know, several hours versus, and let's just make up a number. Let's say that's 300 calories. We'll like go and pick up a Snickers bar and it's this big, right? It's not even that big and that's 300 calories. So there you go. Like there's a good example of it because you eat that Snickers bar it doesn't really satisfy you that much. Of course, it tastes good in the moment. Of course, I'm not going to deny that part. But then you're hungry like 30, 60 minutes later, you ate a bunch of calories. And then the the weird, the really trippy part is usually when you eat like kind of quote unquote junk food like that, you typically crave more of it. So yeah. it's like, it's just a really slippery slope. Whereas if you eat that big plate of healthy nutritious foods, you're more full longer and then you're not craving those foods. And it's just like a win-win all around. Mm. If somebody feels like they are eating pretty good or eating well enough and they maybe have lost some weight, but they have found themselves in a plateau and they feel like they're really struggling to lose that last five pounds, the last six pounds, the last seven pounds, whatever it is, whatever their goal is. I think first thing to note is that a lot of people think they should lose five or six or seven pounds when it's like, should is a hard thing to know whether or not like you actually need to lose the weight or not. So that's, I'm going to kind of put that aside for this conversation. Let's infer that losing five, six, seven pounds of body fat would be beneficial for this person. Are there any things that you, are any questions that you usually ask people that usually reveal what is preventing them from losing that five, six, seven pounds? Yeah, sure. So I think the the tips that we started with are really great for people just getting started. And you will see results like that. But yes, you, you nailed it. Like you're, you're the man for mentioning a lot of this stuff. It makes my job a lot easier. That gets you started. You're going to plateau at some point. Once you begin to stall out, well, then you have to take things a little bit more seriously. And there's maybe a couple of different ways you can go about it. So let's say there's two options. One is you could just increase like your physical activity. You could add in, uh, if you're a step counter tracker person, you have a watch like that, add in like another thousand or 2000 steps a day. Like that's an easy way. And you're really not tra tracking calories at this point. So you don't have to obsess with those numbers. So that's one option. The other option would be, well, then you actually do start tracking and monitoring how much food you eat. Like there's going to be a point where you probably have to do that. I'm trying to think of maybe like a good analogy, but you know, like you start something, you can get away with just like doing really basic stuff at, at the beginning. But then like once you kind of hit that wall and whatever it is, right, you have to go to the next level if you want to keep improving. So hopefully this isn't a shock to most people listening. So start with the super basic stuff we already talked about. When that stalls out eventually, well, then you kind of move to the next level. And like, truth be told, like that's where our company would, would probably come in. 
we can give some general tips for those like beginning stages, but there's a lot of different places out there that probably do those beginning stages even better than we do. Cause we're really designed for people that are a bit more serious. So you start with weight watchers, you start with like a, a paleo a whole 30 kind of thing. Very good starts. It gets you kind of just aware of what you're eating. I think that's phenomenal for most people. And then, yeah, you're going to hit a wall at some point. And then when you want to dial it in a little bit more, you're like, okay, hey, yeah, I've kind of heard about macros a little bit before, but I'm not really sure. Well, you know, I think those RP folks said something about it. Hey, now I'll try them out. Yeah. I want to go a little bit specifically into your journey because when you did your bodybuilding competition in July, obviously it's about losing body fat, but obviously you're trying to retain as much muscle as you can and look a particular way on stage. First off, what, what body fat percentage did you end up getting down to? Um, I didn't get a DEXA this time. I've kind of learned my lesson that getting DEXAs can be really disappointing and you can sort of manipulate those numbers a little bit. Um, if I had to guess, probably around like 5% body fat would be, would be my guess. Wow. Wow. And uh, and first thing to, again, kind of preview before resuming the conversation, he does not live at 5% body fat. Um, and I'll probably ask at some point toward after this question about what maybe recommended body fat percentages are for males and females. Um, but where I'm going with this is I want to talk about how you were able to lose a bunch of body fat, but able to retain as much muscle as possible. What were the things that you really had to dial in? And this could be both fitness and nutrition. What are the things that you had to dial in in order to find that balance of losing body fat and trying to retain as much muscle as possible? Yeah, so this is definitely applicable for like bodybuilding and physique sports, but also even to just speak to folks that may not be interested in that, the same thing is going to apply a little bit. You need to lift weights. Now, I'm lifting weights six times a week when I'm training for a show like that, and I just love lifting weights, so I still train six times a week because I, I, just, I love it, and it's always been a huge part of my life, and it always will be. So, but that's obviously I'm an extreme and I'm an outlier way over here, but if you are looking to lose fat and you want to retain your, your lean body mass, so AKA you don't lose any muscle, lift weights twice a week. And like, that's, that's all you have to do 30, 45 minutes. And like, that's it. You'll, you'll probably maintain your lean tissue while you're dieting. And so what's that, what, what that's going to accomplish in case it scares me when listening it's not that you're going to like gain muscle and like look like a really bulked up person or something like that's absolutely not the case, but you're going to lose a lot of body fat and you're going to maintain all of your muscle. So you're going to get that tone lean look that you're really after. So lifting weights is a huge, huge piece of that. Now, obviously when you start to go to the more advanced levels, that's when you start lifting more often. So I lift six times a week. I do like a push, pull, leg split. So I go push, pull, legs, push, pull, legs. Those are my six days. That's how it's laid out. And I do like a fair amount of volume. But most normal people won't need that. I'm literally 30, 45 minutes twice a week of resistance training, something that's going to push you a little bit. It shouldn't be super, super easy. It should be challenging. And probably want to stick with like the basic compound lifts for the most part, especially if you're only training a couple times a week, your squats, your deadlifts, lunges, presses, rows, pull downs, things like that. And you're pretty good. You're going to cover most of your muscle groups and I'd have to really think a whole lot about it. So we want to keep things simple, especially for people just starting out. Nice. And then from a, so is it really not, well, let's say somebody, it might again, depend on the level of experience that they have with working out. But if somebody who has worked out for a number of years and trying to lose that five, 10 pounds, and they're trying to get to a point where they are 
restricting enough calories and they know they're restricting enough calories, but they're afraid of losing muscle in the process. Is it really not all that likely that they're going to lose that muscle as long as they're still strength training or do they, do they need to be focused on getting an appropriate amount of protein or is that not as important if you are getting enough strength training in? So if you can get about a gram per pound of body weight in for protein, you're going to be pretty good. Your chances of losing muscle will go down a good bit. If you add in strength training as well, and you're eating a good amount of protein, you're going to be pretty good for the most part. Now, probably the third part that we have to add in there is not losing weight super fast. The faster you lose weight, the more likely it could be that you will lose a little bit of muscle. So think tortoise in the hair, go a little bit slower, half a percent to 1% per week of your body weight. If you're in that range and you're lifting a couple times a week and you're eating enough protein, I'm not really worried too much as a coach or someone that helps educate coaches. I'm not too worried about people losing muscle. You might lose a little bit, but what, you know, Hey, let's say you lose 20 pounds and obviously there's body water in there. So it's not like you lose 20 pounds of tissue, but Maybe you lose half a pound, one pound of lean tissue. Like for most people, that's going to be a fair trade-off for losing 20 yeah. pounds of, of body weight. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I want you to talk to us about kind of the psychological, mental, and emotional side of weight loss and cutting during, for you personally, like from your personal experience, what are the different things that you have maybe struggle with during the cutting phases and the different thing, the different mindset shifts, the different techniques you've used to help sustain yourself throughout it. Yeah. So a couple of them, number one would be remember that it's temporary. So dieting to lose body fat is a temporary state. It is not something that becomes a lifestyle learning better nutrition habits. And let's say you go from 200 pounds down to 180 and then maintaining somewhere around 180, like the maintenance and just kind of general healthy eating habits. Totally. That's a lifestyle. That's more of like a maintenance thing, but the dieting to lose body fat and, and weight overall is by definition, something that you have to restrict calories. So it is not sustainable. So if you go in knowing that and you're like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to kind of buckle down for the next eight to 12 weeks. I'm going to really commit to this. And I know there's some slight trade-offs that come with that. Like maybe I can't go out and get pizza and beer, you know, with my friends every Friday night. Hey, I'm okay doing that. And they're not doing that for a couple months because I know once I reach my goals, I might be able to incorporate a little bit of that back in. Now, hopefully you don't go right back to the bad habits that got you where you're trying to get away from. That's a bad idea, but that's a big part of it. It's a temporary thing. And if you can commit a little bit more and be a little bit more serious for those couple months, you're going to get better results. And then when you see those better results, typically there's a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that happens. You get a little momentum going. That's a big part of it. So focus on that. It's not going to be forever and it shouldn't be. Number two, just know that dieting is hard and the more weight you lose, the harder it's going to get. So this is important because it helps set expectations. And as you get further into a diet to lose body fat, you might be a little bit hungrier, which means you might get quote unquote hangry. If you are mindful of that, it's probably going to help. For example, if I know that, hey, I'm not actually 
irritated with the people around me, I'm just hungry, I might be less likely to snap at them when it comes to bodybuilding. So now we're talking those like extreme outlier instances and you have to get to such low levels of body fat that the hunger and the low energy are just something you know is going to happen. Now, does that mean I'm a perfect person and I'm able to just forego all that and I'm super nice and cheerful all the time? Absolutely not. If you had my wife on, she would probably say, I'm not too much fun to be around the last couple of weeks before a show. I know that. So I try to make choices that will reduce the chances of me, you know, doing something that I'm going to regret later, you know, like yelling at my kids or something like that. So I just, you just have to be mindful of it all. If you train for mindfulness, I think it has some positive carryover for all that. Is it going to fix everything? Absolutely not, but it can help. It's like all the strategies we talked about before, that giant plate of chicken, rice, and broccoli, it doesn't completely eliminate hunger, right? You just have to know that, but it's going to help. All of these tools help. Uh, I will say one caveat. Now, I'm not sure your stance, so I'm not going to dive too much into this, but um, the, the GLP-1 drugs that help fight hunger, oh, those are some very real things. And not only they might have side effects or whatever, but you know, people are interested in going that route. You know, hey, maybe chat with your doctor and it could be an option because they do help essentially eliminate hunger. So, you know, I, I run a fitness company. We work with tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. I will say, and I have admitted this before on our own podcast, I use semaglutide during my contest prep. For a couple of reasons. One, I thought it was going to help because being hungry does suck. And two, I needed to have the experience for when people ask me about it. And I can make, hey, you know what? Like, here are the pros and cons. Uh, so I used it for, I don't know, like six, eight weeks. I don't use it any longer because I don't you know, need it. But it, it squashes hunger. Uh, it's, I don't want to say it's a miracle, but man, when you're talking about someone that, because uh, being hungry... And having a crazy appetite can be really genetically tied. And so like, it, it is just something to consider because if you've tried before, you've never been able to conquer that. Listen, I'm not saying rush out there and do it. Please don't, you know, lead me to saying that or people take this context out of the way, but it could be an option. It is a very real option. And I love science and technology. And the more and more we advance, like things are, rapidly getting better in that area. And you know, I know many doctors out there that work in obesity and like it's becoming a very real thing where it is quite, quite popular. So mm. two sets. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I would love to talk to you more about, at some point about uh, your experience on it and everything like that. But uh, I'm not, I'm going to kind of leave that for a separate conversation uh, for sake of time. I do want to dive into potentially like recommended training splits for people. And let's keep it at that person who is losing, needs to lose 5, 10, wants to lose 5, 10, 15 pounds or so. And they're thinking, okay, I want to lose it. And then I want to maintain my fitness after that. What do you, what's like a appropriate level of strength and cardio combination for somebody who's like, I know I need to do both. I'm not exactly sure how much. I just want to find a place where I am I am strong and I have some muscle, but I also want to be cardiovascularly fit. If I want to go out for a run, what's kind of like a good balance for somebody who wants to find that happy medium? I would say for minimums, 
uh, weight training twice a week. If you train twice a week with weights, it should be full body both days. So you're training upper body and lower body both days, like a Monday, Thursday kind of thing, Tuesday, Friday, Wednesday, Saturday, whatever. The exact days don't matter at all, but you probably want to space them out a couple of days apart. If you can train three times a week, it's going to be a little bit better. And at that point, you're probably doing like upper, lower, upper, lower, right? So Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So you go upper, lower, upper. And then the next week you just reverse that. So it'd be lower, upper, lower, right? So every other time you're kind of working the, the opposite. That's a very good approach for a lot of people. If you get up to four times a week, it is probably an upper, lower, upper, lower split. So it might be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you rest, Thursday, Friday, you're training again. Um, so in all these instances, I'm not going to go beyond four times a week because the people listening, they, you don't even need to go beyond that. Uh, any of those other three days or four days or even five days, if you want to do some cardio, I think that's a, a great thing. You know, go go run for 15, 20 minutes, you know, run like a couple miles. Like you're probably going to be pretty good. Uh, if you're not a big runner and you just want to get in some like, hey, what's a good way to burn some calories and it's really low intensity, you're not going to interfere with a strength training or, you know, be too strenuous. Just go for a walk. You got a dog? Great. Take it for a walk twice a day or something. You know, because most people probably do that anyways, right? If you have a dog, probably go walk it in, you know, anyway. So just like maybe add in another session, something like that. Again, not stuff that is going to, you know, be too stressful or like want to, you know, kill people by just high, high intensity. Like let's, let's ease into it. Let's start. Cause I would say the number one thing that people ask when it comes to how many days a week should I lift? Really the only answer is the number that you can seriously commit to and stick with. And that's it. So long as it's twice a week. You go yeah. just once a week, ah, twice a week, I think you're good. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, kind of second to last question here. I want to want you to dive into practically some of the things that you do to stay healthy and raise a healthy family. Like you mentioned, you're a husband, you're a dad. What are some things that you do throughout the week? so that you are setting yourself up for success so that you can be healthy, both nutritionally and physically with your fitness, but also like you're making it so kind of like health and fitness is part of your family and who y'all are as well. Yeah. So uh, one is I definitely try to prioritize my fitness because one, it's, I love doing it. That's obviously a big key. Uh, two, it definitely just keeps me, I don't know, probably just in a better mood overall, which has tons and tons of benefits to everyone. Uh, two, we always, okay, well, always, man, things always kind of ebb and flow, but we we try our best to sit down as a family for dinner time. Kids have sports stuff. I get it. Trust me. My kids are both in sports. Uh, my son's 11, my daughter's nine, you know, they do sports. It is tough to do, but again, just try to do as often as we can. And usually again, it's not like we're eating junk food or anything like that. Usually it's home cooked foods. If you do something like that and kids grow up used to eating, you know, we are lean proteins and making sure you get some veggies and fruits in at every meal. I think it goes a big way. So those are two big ones. Um, three, I, I will readily admit this. I, I tried earlier when my kids were a little bit younger and like during COVID, I absolutely tried to make it a thing where like I would have them in the gym and I would show them a few things. Um, I definitely did the wrong approach where I was probably too harsh on them. And I was probably like, not, I didn't make it fun. And it took me a little bit to realize that if I don't make this fun for my kids when they're young, they might end up hating this. And that's terrible. Because, no, I'm not saying they have to be a serious bodybuilder like their dad or whatever. 
but I want them to have fitness as a part of their life. So I stopped kind of trying to force them to do it. And, you know, if they ever want to, they ask like, Hey dad, can we work out or can we play catch or blah, blah, blah. Cool. Yeah, sure. Like, let's do it. So I don't want to like, I don't want to force them to do things because that's exactly kind of how I grew up where my dad forced me to do a couple of things. And if you ask me like, what are my two least favorite things to do in the entire world? I would name those things. So I don't want to repeat that. And it took my wife kind of pointing that out to me. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. And that was a big one for me. Cause I was just like, I, yeah, I, I can't do this. And I just, I stopped. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to force them to do anything. They ask me, they come to me. I'm praying for those days when they come to me and they're like, I want to be a serious athlete. I'm going to be like, Oh my God, thank you. It's going to be the most wonderful thing in the world, but they're 11 and nine. So I just had to learn that I am okay with pushing myself like that, but I'm also a grown adult, And I didn't really get into that serious stage until I was probably like, I don't know, 15, 16. So 11 and nine is probably pretty early for that. Yeah. Well, kudos to you for uh, figuring it out at uh, on the earlier side rather than uh too late there because i know i know that's something that i want to be conscious of when i'm when i'm a parent one day is like i don't want to push them too hard but like i want them to <laughs> i want them to be athletes and i want the fitness to be part of their life and i want them to enjoy it so finding that balance is definitely definitely a delicate balance but it sounds like you have made some good adjustments so kudos to you but uh nick before last question here man i just want to acknowledge you appreciate you coming back on the show and sharing uh, so much great practical knowledge and techniques on the science of fat loss and, and maintaining muscle because so many people here are really close to where they want to be and they just need some specific strategies and techniques and confidence in those strate- strategies and techniques to take them that last little bit. Um, and so I know they learned a lot from you guys, learned a lot from you today, so I appreciate it. Um, but you guys need to make sure you go follow Nick on Instagram. If you don't already, it's nick.shaw.rp. On Instagram, you can see his bodybuilding photos like this guy knows what he's talking about he's been there uh, a time or two or three or four like he's knows what he's talking about um, and you need to follow at rp strength as well that's the company that is the ceo and founder of and they have a great app that helps people dial in their macros dial in their training plan, plans and stuff like that as well uh, but nick is there any other good place that people should go learn more about you and, and find out more about what y'all are doing uh, I will add one more to that. And thank you so much for, for the kind words. I really do appreciate that. So there's one other thing that I would mention, and I will put a slight caveat in there. If you are okay with some humor and some, you know, not so nice language here and there, uh, our YouTube channel is absolutely amazing. It has tons and tons and tons and tons of videos. There's like a fat loss made simple series. There's uh, like a hypertrophy made simple series. There's lots of there's a range of stuff from just getting started all the way to super, super advanced and anywhere in between. So that's just Renaissance Periodization YouTube. Uh, my buddy, Dr. Mike Israel runs that. He is hilarious. Uh, he's quickly becoming uh, very much a fitness celebrity. Uh, it, is, it is very cool to see. Uh, people absolutely love the YouTube channel. There's so much to learn there. Uh, just know going in, he's going to joke around and he's going to use some colorful language. And people really do appreciate that for the most part. But I always like to throw that in there in case people aren't into that. Uh, hey, you've been warned. So there you go. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I'll make sure that all that stuff is linked up in the show notes. Well, last question here, Nick, is... A hypothetical question, if you were only able to do three healthy habits for the rest of your life, for whatever reason, you were made to decide that you were couldn't do every all these things, but you had to pick kind of three healthy habits for the rest of your life, then what would those three healthy habits be? Oh, the biggest number one by far and away, huge, 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 like one's way up here, the other two will still be in there, but not quite as important, lifting. 
lifting weights. I could not live without it. Absolutely. Um, man, number two would probably just be, you know, the ability to eat like uh, lean proteins. Super, super important there. And man, number three, uh, probably just the ability to, to walk. You know, I don't need to do fancy cardio or running or anything too crazy anymore, but I just go and walk and I keep a little step track uh, every day and I just aim for that. And as long as I do that, I feel really good. Awesome. Awesome. Great, man. Well, I really appreciate it. I know a lot of people learned a lot and got a lot of, like I said, techniques and strategies to be able to implement with how many times they should be working out, how many calories they should be eating, kind of like the hierarchy of th- of importance when it comes to fat loss. And when you're not counting macros, how do you look at your food through the lens of how can I still lose weight and everything like that. So I really appreciate it today. And uh, that's all we got. Appreciate it, Nick. Thanks so much for having me back on again. Uh, it's uh, been a joy. I'm so glad you had the opportunity to learn from Nick today, a true expert in the field. And if you'd like to try out the one week free trial of the virtual 10 week transformation, then go to nickcarrier.com slash free trial. Some of my biggest takeaways from Nick today were to lose body fat. You need to be in a calorie deficit, but that doesn't mean the quality of the calories don't matter. You want to eat real foods that make you feel full, minimize cravings, and provide you with lasting energy. To lose the last five to 10 pounds, you might have to start taking things a little bit more seriously. I mean, maybe increase your number of steps per day or have a period of time where you do track your macros a little bit more closely. Lifting weights is key for so many reasons, but especially for fat loss. You should be lifting weights at least two times a week if you want to lose fat and maintain muscle. If you can do these things, it will help you get closer to the healthiest version of yourself and ultimately closer and closer to your best you.